Okay. Test, test, test. I am the funniest person alive. Test, test, test. My name is Emma. 26. I've built this bridge just to sit. <laughs> you're talking in normal volume, too. Okay, I am talking in normal volume. I don't know what you're talking about. Emma always says she's talking in normal volume and then increases by, like, 10 <laughs> decibels during the episodes. Listen. Hello? Test. Test. I'm just testing. Listen, Malta sucks. <laughs> you know what? That's because that is a loud statement that needs to be heard everywhere. And my normal test, test, testing does it. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter three of Madship, The Crowned Rooster. We're on the road right now. On the road again. So <laughs> it's going to be a, a new new studio here for this episode. Yeah. And we have a little mascot now. Well, two, I guess. because And my sister's dogs are in the room with us, which is very nice. <laughs> which you... Probably won't be able to hear on the recording because they're pretty quiet. So hopefully they remain pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the crowned rooster is again, like you said last week, kind of what it talks about. <laughs> we yeah. have the pirate's leg, the crowned rooster. We are in the rain wilds with the Cupris family, specifically Janie. Yeah, which I I guess I shouldn't make this statement because I just thought of it now, but I don't think we get too many more of her perspectives yeah i don't think so maybe a couple uh during like unrest in mm -hmm. bingtown and things like that but not very many this is very um very much like kefria yeah where occasionally you get to hear from this point of view but she's not necessarily a main character so to speak and as this chapter comes in we are described her surroundings of an underground city. This is one of the elderling cities that they have here. I believe they're in Treyhog. And she, we get a big lore dump in this, especially if you're a first-time reader. We learn that they're in an elderling city. Right. First of all, which name rings a bell from the first trilogy. Right. We have, uh, the, again, the drop of uh, Jidzin, which is that metal strip that you can put your hand to and it lights up the walls i think they talked about that in ship of magic briefly and then we also get the information that there are earthquakes and they're pretty regular at least the ground tremoring is pretty regular but it's nothing near the effect of a great cataclysm or a great you know disastrous natural event that buried all of these cities yeah it's really interesting to get to see Janie, Janie walk through and get from her point of view as someone who seems to have been raised here and her wonder at this city and how you can tell that there's some sort of love there and just wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I like it a lot. I like 
getting to see a little bit more detail of the architecture of the elderlings. Yeah. I also think the fact that they call them elderlings and say that this is an elderling city kind of points to the fact that that must have been what they were actually called back in the day and that that has somehow gotten gone through the news to all these people that are present day. Yeah, I, I remember from Shriver's point of view, I think, was it the beginning of this one or at the end of the last one where she goes back in her dragon memories? She calls them elder kind in like yeah. a one word kind of thing. So yeah. at least very similar. Yeah, and I think that's really important to point out because I guess we don't really know how the name has lasted longer than they have, but somehow it has and it's two very different cultures that are not very close on the map that are calling them the same thing. Yeah, obviously Six Duchies doesn't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. But somehow they have the correct name yeah. for these people that lived in these old magic cities. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's if they refer to themselves in the scrolls that is later talked about here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be that. I also wonder if it's um, just memories from the skill stone where they're being called elderlings. I guess that that makes sense because a lot of, not a lot, but people are able to see the memories of the stone. Right. So potentially that's why everybody knows there's just been enough people throughout the ages to have overheard. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Janie's walking through here and she comes upon an ornately decorated door. She came at last to an arched entryway closed with a massive metal door. She ran her hands over it lightly, and the crowned rooster embossed on the surface shimmered into life. It never failed to impress her. She could well understand her ancestor discovering this and immediately making the crowned rooster his own heraldic device. The cock on the door was lifting a spurred foot threateningly, and his wings were half-raised in menace. Every hackle feather on his extended neck shone. A gem set in his eye sparkled blackly. Elegance and arrogance combined in him. She set a hand firmly to his breast and pushed the door open. Darkness gaped at her. So now we have the namesake of the Cupris family crest. Or heraldic device, or whatever. Well, either way, their mascot... Yes, their mascot. (laughs) ...is shown here. And she talks about how this door is the entrance to a great palace... And it's one of the few buildings that survived the cataclysm. But I wonder if the rooster crown is in any way related to whoever was part of this big estate. Yeah, I don't know. Because it seems odd to have a crown themed after a rooster that has nothing to do with this big door with a giant rooster on it. (laughs) I guess it is possible because also the rooster crown is for artisans and like actors essentially, right? Or Yeah, minstrels, like skilled skilled performers, yeah. I think, of various types. Which would be a and, little bit... And very old too. Yes. Like very old because that's generations of different and you have to be like very, very good to be... Yes. Like, to put your life into this crown. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know if they're connected, because, again, that doesn't really seem like something that royalty would want. Although we 
don't know how their societies worked. We don't even know if they had royalty. Right. This could have just been the Rooster family's passion project that they really liked the arts. So they sponsored. Or maybe they just had chickens in this room. Maybe. That could be too. (laughs) That is I mean, they do later say say that this is a a greenhouse. Well Oh the the area that she goes to is a greenhouse. they're, They're not really sure, but they can surmise that. Yeah. So maybe it was, or the chickens. (laughs) It does seem weird, though, because, like you said, they're very disconnected. It's in a different place, whatever. I think the rooster crown is found in Igret's treasure hoard. Yes. Which is coming from Jamalia, so who knows where they got that. Maybe also from the Rainwilds. So it could be from the same place. But the ideas or whatever are so disconnected. But then again, why would you put in two elderling treasures or mentions that both have the same animal if they're not connected? Yeah. So it just looks very. You can assume. Unless maybe they really like chickens. Maybe that True. was like a delicacy for uh, dragons or something. And the elderlings yeah. just love to prepare flocks of chickens for them. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, not super important, but just a thought I had. Well, she enters an immense room and there is a even vaster darkness that she steps into the crowned rooster chamber here. And she's kind of scowling to herself, it says in the book here, because she assumes that rain is not here in this chamber and that's who she's looking for. Right. And she also says that only familiarity is what's guiding her as she descends the shallow steps, which is kind of crazy to me because that means that she has been here often enough that even in pitch black, she can know where she's going. So that's a nice little hint that she probably spent a lot of time here throughout her life. Right. Especially since this is her family's namesake room. This is where they found the Wizardwood Logs. Mm -hmm. So it's where your wealth comes from, I'm sure. Lots of time. (laughs) But she is disappointed because of how dark it is and how quiet. She doesn't think rain is here. But out of the darkness, he speaks and says, Have you ever tried to imagine to yourself how this chamber must have looked when it was new? Think of it, mother. On a day like today, the spring sun would have shone down through the crystal dome to waken all the colors in the murals. What did they do here? From the deep gouges on the floor and the random ordering of the tables, I do not think the wizardwood logs were commonly stored here. No, I think they were brought here in haste to shelter them from whatever disaster was burying this city. So, prior to that time, what was the purpose of this huge room with its crystal dome and decorated walls? From the ancient pots of earth, we can surmise they grew plants in here. Was it merely a sheltered garden, where one could walk in comfort even in the stormiest weather? Or was it Rain. Enough, his mother exclaimed in annoyance. And now she finds the Jitsun strip on the side of the wall and lights it up a bit, but in her head is a little bit dismayed because she can remember as a kid that it shone much brighter and a lot of more details were lit up. And she can see before her eyes, recalling through her memories, how this place is dying. Slowly, but still, everything is kind of, the magic in it is fading away. And she's annoyed with Rain. Yes. Asking, what are you doing here? I want to back up first because we just got a big revelation that this is where all of the Wizardwood logs were found. 
And as first time readers, that's pretty big knowledge. It's exciting to know where they came from. And it's this room. And that's why the Cooper's family is so important. I don't think I think we did talk about it last book a little bit, but nobody who is a first time reader would have known that that's why they have so much power. Right. It's just that they trade a lot in expensive things. And now we know that one of the expensive things is the wizard with logs. And I also think that noting that the magic is kind of disappearing from this room is really important. I wonder, is that just the natural life cycle? It's lasted thousands and thousands of years. And so of course it's going to someday run out or is that, because the dragons are being moved out and the source of the magic is gone. I'm not sure. It's really hard to say because you could maybe see a literary link between that, like, oh, the waning of the dragons Mm -hmm. and the magic of the elderlings, sure. But if you think about it within the confines of the book and the plot, elderling magic, yeah, can be linked to the dragons, but then is that the source of their magic or is it because they became elderlings that they can now control magic that was always there. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's kind of like a philosophical, where did the magic come from? And what is the source of the magic? Right. I don't know which side I fall on, really. I'm not sure either. I think it's hard because I think, obviously, I don't think, I don't think that dragons are the magic. I think the silver is the magic. And I think... Both humans and dragons have benefited from coming in contact with that pure magic. But I do wonder why in some places, like here, we see the magic diminishing, whereas other places it's still going so strong. And I don't know if that's just because in some way it was linked to the dragons or if it's something like, There's only a finite amount of uses that you can get out of this before you need to replenish it with magic. And with nobody knowing how to do that for the last several centuries, it has to run out. I feel like it might kind of be like that. And I don't know. We know Kelsingra is pretty strong in magic as well. Mm -hmm. And there are references to that. In the Rainwild Chronicles, mm-hmm. when I think Tymera goes into that theater room and like all of the <laughs> the theater starts playing and yeah. things like that. So I think that's still strong. So I don't know if that's because they have that well of silver there that's kind of seeping into everything and they don't have a readily available well or supply near Treyhog or anything like that or Kasserik or any one of those cities. Or if it's because it's buried underground and it needs light. Yeah, could be solar powered. Who knows? I, I really don't know. No, I. it also could be, I mean, if we're throwing out theories, it could be that the use of something is part of it. The other cities, or Kelsingra, I guess specifically, doesn't really have anybody digging around right. daily for years trying to find the treasures to sell to other places. So nobody's really using the magic. So it's just there yeah i think that's the easiest explanation with occam's razor it would tell you that that is the explanation is that it has limited uses and with them being used all the time here in these cities it's eventually running out yeah but i do just wonder if that means that it could be repowered if somebody had the ability yeah maybe i like that thought (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Janie is trying to ask Rain, why is he in this chamber? Because he's supposed to be working with their other workers. They found, you know, a potential passageway to find more secrets of this city. And Rain is, we learn, very, very good at divining what those secrets are and figuring out how to proceed and get value out of this ancient city. They're basically, and Rain basically equates that to, I don't, I don't really know, I was going to say an Indiana Jones reference, but I don't think it's quite that, because I feel like Janie's more like Indiana Jones of like, oh, I, it belongs to the museum, we need to save these things, but everywhere in Indiana Jones's path, all of the ancient sites get destroyed, <laughs> and they just take the valuables and leave, Yeah. <laughs> and Rain is more like, no, don't touch anything. We just need to restore it to its former beauty. Stop destroying it to get value out of the city. Yeah. And that's kind of the two sides of their argument because Janie's like, this is the way we always done it. We can't go out in the open, in public. This is how we get our money. We have to keep doing this. And Rain's like, no, excavate the whole city and let people come here for exhibits. <laughs> yeah, which honestly, I'm team Rain in this because I think that sounds really rad. And I'm all for conservation and letting things be the way they were at one point. And also, it's way cooler to walk through the actual site something's from than it is to walk through a museum, even though I love museums. But we do get uh, a little bit of their, both of their philosophies and outlook on the Rainwild Traders hiding. Because Janie says, what would you have us do? Leave all buried and forgotten as we found it? Forsake the Rainwilds and retreat to Bingtown to live with our kin there? That would be brief sanctuary. She heard this the light scuff of his feet as he circled the last great log of Wizardwood that remained in the crowned rooster chamber. He moved like a sleepwalker as he rounded the end of it. Her heart sank as she marked how he walked, his fingers trailing along the massive trunk as he did so. He was cloaked and hooded against the damp and chill of the chamber. No, he said quietly, I love the rainwilds as you do. I have no desire to live elsewhere. Neither do I think my people should continue to live in hiding and secrecy. Nor should we continue to plunder and destroy the ancient holdings of the elderlings simply to pay for our own safety. I believe that instead we should restore and celebrate all we have discovered here. We should dig away the soil and ash that mask the city and reveal it once more to sunlight and moonlight. We should throw off the satrap of Jamalia as an overlord, deny his taxes and restrictions, and trade freely wherever we wish. His voice died down as his mother glowered at him, but he was not silenced. Let us display who we are without shame, and say we live where and as we do, not out of shame, but by choice. That is what I think we should do. She replies just saying, You are young, Rain. He replies that saying, if you mean stupid, say stupid. <laughs> I do not mean stupid, she says. <laughs> I thought that's a very funny reply. <laughs> yeah, so we get a little bit side from him with the added flavor of we should also throw off the satrap of Jamalia. And that comes into light later on in the story where he sides with the young people of Bingtown with that rebellion. Right. No, I think it's definitely good to see that the things happening with the satrap and in Bingtown aren't just affecting Bingtown, that there is a wider reach of 
what's going on and seeing how that affects the people here and seeing that that is, you know, they're still paying taxes, which is kind of funny because I think last book I asked, what's the point? Why do they have so much money? Why do they trade in money if they don't need it? But it looks like they do need it and it's a little bit more for their own protection. And I don't know that they themselves are necessarily paying a tax that the like the satrap satrap knows about them but in some capacity they're paying a tax probably to bingtown to keep them secret right because so. it's as we learned it's 50 percent yes is their taxes it's insane right just to be alive basically so they they pay that 50 percent. yes like you said probably to bingtown or on all of their trades or that it's kind of factored in right it's insane. Yeah, they, they talk later on, uh, Janie and Rain, that they would be probably among the richest people in the world if they didn't have to pay those outrageous taxes. Yeah. And I guess thinking about it now, the taxes don't get taken out until the ships come back to say what they made, right? So yeah, at assume so. port, they pay taxes for what they made on their trip. Yeah, there's yeah at port, there's like the tax right so and stuff so that would be how they get taxed i guess because their goods are the ones being sold and they're making deals with the people with yeah. the ships but yeah it's definitely it seems like a frustrating situation even for the Rainwild people and especially more so because their safety relies on them digging up all these artifacts and being able to sell them to have money to keep going right i think you can definitely see where Rain's coming from. And then it's really interesting to have Janie kind of be the opposite of that of, oh, it's more than that and you don't understand and we kind of have to go with the flow. This is just how it's done. Yeah, she replies saying like, I meant young, not stupid, because the older generation, it just, that responsibility falls on us harder. Right. We have to watch out for everyone, not just ourselves or our future. Mm -hmm. In some ways, that makes our lot harder, not easier. We visit Bingtown, and from behind our veils, we look about and say, But I am not so very different from the folk who live here. In time, they would accept me, and I could move freely among them. Perhaps you forget just how hard it might be for Kiss or Tillamon to stand unveiled before ignorant eyes. Do you pronounce that Kiss or Kiss? K-Y-S? Um, I don't know. I'm fine with Kiss. All right. Kiss it is. At the mention of his sister's names, Rain cast his eyes down. No one could say why the disfigurement that was the normal lot of Rainwell children should have fallen so heavily upon them and so lightly upon Rain. Here among their own kind, it was not so immense a burden. But thought of it in Bingtown, that was daunting. As clearly as if written on a scroll, Janie watched the thoughts unfurl across her son's visage, his brow wrinkled at the unfairness of it all. Right. So on top of the stress of making sure that they are able to live in this place, there's also the fact that the outside world would not be very willing to welcome them yeah. with open arms because they are marked differently. Yeah, Janie and Rain are both remarked upon as having very light markings mm -hmm. and they could easily pass and maybe Rain is seeing it through his lens and Janie has to point that out like your sisters would not be accepted. Right. And it's really interesting to have that perspective because you know 
before the only thing we've heard about them is through Bingtown eyes of how gross and nasty these <laughs> veiled visitors are. And to Malta. see, yes, Malta, <laughs> but to see from their point of view, these people that are living in the place and are the ones that have the growths. It's good to see that they view it a little bit differently and there's right. no sense of these are ugly or hideous to us, but the recognition that just because it's normal to them doesn't mean that the world would be so kind. And I think that's a really important thing that does make rain seem a little bit more naive, I guess. So more young, like Janie said, because that's something that as an adult, you know, that appearances are important in the world, even if you don't want them to be what you look like matters. Kind of a side note, it's an interesting society that is painted here, like their values, because his thoughts specific, or I guess Janie's thoughts specifically say, why should one blanch at a neighbor's face that sported the same pebbled skin or dangled growths as his own? It feels like, because they are human, it feels like they don't view these things as beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's just something that is, so why find it disgusting as well? Right. But still, we know that heavily changed babies aren't considered good. Right. Because Tamara technically should have been left to die in the woods because yeah. she had like claws for feet. So it's just, I don't know, it's a weird kind of comparison because yes, Bingtown is not very accepting of anything at all. The Rainwilds a little bit more so, but still they're like, well... There's a line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, we have them, so why not just say that they're fine? But also, they're not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is a very weird line that the Rainwild people are walking of not normal is okay, but only to a point. But Rain makes the suggestion that they could simply buy people off. Yeah. So they have enough money. And especially if they go against a satrap and don't have to pay all these ridiculous taxes, they can pay people to like them because people flock to wealth and they will have a lot of it. And then if everybody knows they're wealthy, they won't really look down upon them or say that they're monsters. He also mentions that the plus side of this includes the fact that instead of tearing down the artifacts that they're finding hastily and with hammers and nails, they could have time to study these things in depth and have more knowledge about how they work and potentially be able to recreate them, but have more underlying knowledge so that they don't have to just rip them out of the walls to sell them hastily. The end of his speech to his mother says we would have the leisure then to find the true keys to unlock the secrets that we now hammer and cut free if we were truly a free folk we could unearth the full wonder of this city sunlight would flood this chamber as it once did and the queen that lies trapped here rain his mother spoke in a low voice take your hand off the wizard wood log it's not a log he said as softly It's not a log, and we both know it. And we both know that the words you now speak are not solely your own. Rain, it little matters what we call it. 
What we both know is that you have spent far too much time in contact with it, studying the murals and contemplating the glyphs on the pillars. It sways your thoughts and makes you its own. No, he denied it sharply. That is not the truth of it, mother. Yes, I have spent much time in this chamber and studied the markings the elderlings left here. I have studied, too, that which we tumbled from inside the other logs that were once within the chamber. He shook his head, his coppery eyes flashing in the dimness. Coffins. That was what you told me when they were when I was young. But they are not. Cradles would be a truer name for them. Moreover, if knowing what I know now, I long to awaken and release the only one that is left. That does not mean I have fallen under her sway. It only means that I have come to see what would be right to do. So we get a huge lore dump there, too. Yeah, so Wizardwood is not what at all. Yes, first-time readers finally learned that. And later on, Rain specifically mentions Queen Dragon together. Mm -hmm. But in this, we have a capitalized queen, and we know that is what female dragons are called. So now we learn that they are cocoons or cradles for dragons. And that sunlight and air would hatch the remaining one, potentially. Yes. I think this is a cool, like a huge revelation, especially for first-time readers, that these aren't wood, and which we already kind of knew, right? We were already right. suspecting. Amber had kind of put in, the, in our minds that something is weird about this. Something's wrong. It feels like death slash living. It's too human, not human, but too alive to be wood. And then to find out that it's housing some sort of creature. Because at this point, I think it's fair to say you can tell that this is like a dragon egg of some kind. Yeah. Clearly it's not obvious. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is for some people. But I don't know if it's fair to say that's obvious that it's what serpents go into to become dragons yet. But it is clear that it turns into a dragon. Right. And that's pretty amazing and big revelations and if you read the Farseer trilogy before this, then Hopefully. yeah, some people don't. That's why I said that. But if you do, then you know that this is what the fool has been looking for and that they were right that there are dragons and that it's not the stone dragons that Verity carved. Right. It's different. There are real dragons. And, and also that they have tumbled out things from within the logs from the other ones. Yes. So we learn that this is the last remaining log. Yeah. This is the last dragon. This also brings to mind, though, what were some of the other logs made into? Because Vivacia is the newest ship. Yeah. And she's, what, 60 years 63. old? 63, yeah. So Rain wouldn't have been around, neither would his mother, for when Vivacia's log was cut open. and Potentially, though, she might have been. And also, maybe there is one in progress right now. I guess. That's just never talked about. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be, it just made me think that maybe they they used Wizardwood for something else, too. Because how else would Rain have seen the things that tumble out or his yeah. mother have seen them if they're not old enough? I don't know. I just say that because I say it's unlikely for his mother as well, because I know that Rainwild people in general have shorter lifespans. And I feel like her being perfectly healthy at 63 is 
even are older than 63 is pretty unlikely from what we've heard. She yeah, especially probably, with her son being 20, her youngest son, Rain, being yeah. 20. So she's, I would believe she's in her 40s. She He also has Kiss, the younger half-sister. Yeah. So I would feel think. like, yeah, maybe 40. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in her early 40s, mid-40s. Yeah. So she wouldn't have been around for Vivacia's boat being made or ship body i don't know (laughs) so how have they seen it happen how do they he says i have studied too that which we tumbled from the inside of the other log so they might have kept him that's fair like why why would you get rid of it in case it could have value later that's yeah true but i don't know i guess maybe it's just like a history lesson of like these are coffins and they're what we use to make Boats, like this is just one, but they're works. He uses plurals, which makes me feel like at one point there was more than just this one left in his lifetime. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. But like you said, maybe they just kept the parts of the other ones and his mother told him that they're coffins. Don't worry about it. Rain here is convinced that the right thing to do is to try and let this last log hatch. And we also learned that the log can influence thoughts So this cocooned dragon can take over your thoughts and put thoughts into your mind as well. And that is what Janie's fear is here. That has taken over kind of control of the direction that Rain's thoughts are going in, especially while touching the log. Yeah, it's really interesting because we know dragons, as rereaders, we know dragons can influence human thoughts. They are able to put on a sort of glamour to do that. And the serpents are also capable of influencing humans. However, I don't know that that's what is happening with the cocooned queen here. I mean, there's a potential. It just feels like the other instances of either the serpent or the dragon doing this is when they're looking into the eyes of another creature. I don't doubt that Tatanglia is speaking to Rain oh, or yeah. Malta later. I mean, that's obvious. In their mind. She is. But I don't know that it's her influencing them with glamour. I think right. she's just pleading with them and people are sympathetic to that. And I think if you talk to something long enough you can be influenced in a way that's not magical. Like the way Janie talks about it feels more like, oh, it has mind control powers and it's taking over my son just like it did other people. But I don't necessarily believe that. I think it's just... We'll have to wait until we hear a direct point of view of that maybe because I want to pay attention to that now, see if uh, Malta feels like compelled to do something because there is that strong yearning from rain to get lost in these memories and get pulled down by that voice you know yeah i'm not sure if it's just kind of like an addiction of this is really cool and a cool feeling or if it's actually a compulsion i want to say i do think that it's partially addiction especially for rain because skilling is addictive and that's essentially what he's doing and he has no training and so i think that's i know it's addictive and i know he is addicted i just am curious of whether that's 
also part of Tintaglia's influence mm, and it right. is magical what she's doing or if she's just talking and the whole city itself is addicting. Yeah. That's what I kind of want to see if there's distinctions of later on. Yeah, definitely. But it's something that I was thinking while reading the section of Janie really seems to think that it's the magic of the dragon and I'm not discounting that it could be. It just the other examples we have right. is eye to eye, like eye contact yeah. being the big factor and not just talking. And I mean, another thing that I feel like backs up my point is that Tatanglia has conversations with Fitz in his mind next series and isn't really able to influence Fitz in any way. I mean, he she can influence the landscape of the dream that they share while they're talking, but I don't think she can like force Fitz to do right. anything. But he's but, also highly trained in skill and, and can protect himself. Right next to her or touching her. True. Like Rain is. So that's a good point. Just want to pay attention to that in the future. Definitely. And so they're kind of talking back and forth here and Janie's like, you know, what's right to do is actually just to help your own people. And I tell you this plainly, you've spent so much time in the company of this Wizardwood Log that you do not know where your own thoughts leave off and its sly promptings begin. There is at least as much of a child's thwarted curiosity in your desire as there is righteousness. Look at your actions today. You know where you are needed, but where are you? Here, with one who needs me most, for she has no other advocate. She is most likely dead. Rain, you tease your fancy with nursery tales. How long was that log here? Even before we discovered this place. Whatever was within it has perished long ago and left only the echoes of its longing for light and air. You know the properties of Wizardwood. A log, broken free of its contents, becomes free to take on the memories and thoughts of those in daily contact with it. That does not mean the wood is alive. You put your hands on it, and you listen to the trapped memories of a dead creature from another time. That is all they are. If you are so sure of that, why do not we test your theory? Let us expose this log to light and air. If no dragon queen hatches from it... Then I shall concede I was wrong. I will no longer oppose it being cut into timber to build a great ship for the Cuprus family. Janie sighs and speaks softly. It makes no difference whether you oppose it or not. You're my youngest, not my eldest. When the time comes, you will not be the one to decide what is done with the last Wizardwood log. She also goes on to say that what he is what he wants to do his little experiment is so costly yeah. there's no way out uh, to get this log outside so they would have to have somebody dig down and break open the glass of the ceiling to let there be space to drag up the log onto ground in the air where we could test the theory and even if the theory is correct then there's a giant uh creature dragon that, <laughs> that it potentially at best doesn't acknowledge them at all at worst destroys everyone for as retrib retribution for destroying its family so it's not like there's a good outcome even if this does work and it would cost a ton of manpower and hours that they just don't have yeah and, and she addresses rain as well saying as with what you said you have read more of the scrolls and tablets of the elder kind than any other man alive has. 
You yourself say that the dragons that shared their cities were arrogant and aggressive creatures, prone to take whatever they desired. Would you free such a creature to walk among us? So I just wanted to remark on that because, again, here's Elder Kind. So yes. is it just a similarity in language or quote-unquote translation of this story from a different world <laughs> that Robin Hobb is doing and it translates to the same kind of thing or, or what? Because it's... I don't know. It's very interesting. Also, do they speak a different language here than in the six duchies? I don't think so. Mm. I think the six duchies and Bingtown and Jamalia speak the same language. Yeah. Chalcid does not. They speak a different. And that's in between the two. Yeah, because... That's weird. Although, I... I don't know, maybe they do speak a different language because when Fitz is listening into Lord Golden's talk with Jack, are they speaking a different language? I don't think so. I'll have to pay attention to that too. I don't remember off the top of my head. Because it would make sense that a trading city would know how to speak other languages. Right. But yeah, I don't know. But either way, why I brought that up is because do they just have the same predilection or you know bias towards saying elder 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 kind elderling for an ancient civilization and that's kind of what's stuck in both cultures or is it like we were talking about before an actual knowledge or finding out that's what they were called right well the mountain people call them elderlings and they speak a different language yeah i don't know also why would you call yourself elderlings if you're like alive and in the present? I'm guessing that if they did call themselves elderlings or elder kind, the other humans called them that because they were more long lived or became more long lived. That makes sense. And that kind of stuck, I would guess. <laughs> Fair. So Janie, of course, is saying like this, this isn't, viable at all and it's just for your curiosity and rain's like it's not just curiosity i feel pity for the trapped creature and i feel guilt for the others we thoughtlessly destroyed over the years remorse and atonement can drive one as strongly as curiosity and janie's just like i can't discuss this with you anymore especially not if you're in the same chamber and touching the log right just you're too distracted and too driven by this thing's thoughts as well right we can't have this discussion anymore that's it i do i do find it really interesting that they that she believes that the creature inside the log is dead i guess they've there's been enough opened logs with dead things inside to know or to think that they know there's evidence to prove but it is really interesting to think about how it's just how could something possibly last this long and be alive right but it is so magic <laughs> <laughs> and so she has a gambit here just to distract a little bit and makes her peace offering and directs it towards Malta and the Vestrits yes um Before we get into that, I do want to say something that we kind of skipped that I just thought about. Um, At the beginning of this conversation with Rain, he was supposed to be helping in a different location. 
they've found another portal concealed in the wall of the seventh chamber. Your intuition is needed to divine how to open it. Rain says, you mean how to destroy it. Is this portal one of the skill pillars? Uh, I don't know because it's such a... I, I would think it would be, except for the thing of, you mean how to like open it slash destroy it? Because none of those happen with a skill pillar. So if you use it, you get dragged into it to a different place. Mm-hmm. And... Rain is implying that Janie means destroy it to get secrets from it or something. So I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't read it as she wants secrets from it. I think she was wants to destroy it so that nobody accidentally goes through. Oh, because it never says that that's the secrets. He knows the secrets of the portals, so he knows the best way to make sure that it's not dangerous anymore. Is what I got the impression of. But I thought she was talking about like we need to figure out how to open it. She says how to open it, but he says, you mean destroy, because whatever he's doing doesn't actually open anything. It just destroys whatever it was. Maybe. And- I was thinking of this, like the use of portal just as like the archaic, this is another entryway that got blocked off somewhere or something, or like a wall mm. that needs to be opened in a special way, because they always talk about like keys to the city and you know, we could find these special keys to continue on. So I was just thinking of Portal as like a closed door, like the crowned rooster they talked about. And it needs some sort of special key or magic to open, but they don't have it, obviously. So when Jenny talks about opening, Rain knows that, well, you just need to figure out how to destroy this whole mechanism so we can get through. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Huh. But... The use of portal is weird. Yeah, it just... I guess maybe I didn't even think that fully it has to mean that he's destroying the portal, but I wonder if it meant that he's defacing it or writing a different etching to make it go to a specific place. Maybe, but I don't think they ever talk about skill pillars or them using that. Well, they wouldn't be named the same thing. Right. And I don't even think they describe them really. Right. In these series. That's there obviously true. must be some there. Right. Because at one point people would have traveled to these cities yeah. through them. I don't know. I don't know either. Just the thought I had when I saw a portal and open, open the portal and he's like, you mean destroy? And I'm like, oh, so <laughs> nobody accidentally falls through when they touch it. Well, as Janie moves on from this conversation trying to steer it into a little bit of a safer topic. She brings up um, the Vestrits and like, oh, after you finish helping them, we need to talk about your visit to the Vestrits. Yeah, after you finish helping the people in the tunnel. Yes. Although I have promised the Vestrits that you will not turn Malta's head with presents, it is still fitting that you take gifts for her mother and grandmother. Those must be selected as well as garments for your voice. For your journey, we have not yet discussed how you will present yourself. You have always dressed so soberly, yet a man who goes courting should have plumage like a peacock. You must, of course, remain veiled, but how heavily veiled I will leave up to you. Her gambit succeeded. His stance softened, she could sense his smile. Veiled impenetrably, but not for the reasons you think. 
I think Malta is a woman who enjoys mystery and, and intrigue. I think it is what first attracted her to me. Mm, almost like a child. <laughs> and so they continue walking out of that chamber and discussing what must happen. And Janie brings up the fact that her mother, uh, Kefria, and Ronica think seem to think that Malta is still a child, but Rain speaks of her as a woman, and Rain affirms that, like, yeah, she is certainly a woman, and has no doubt in his voice, and a certain pride in that assertion. It's, yeah. I Listen, we've gone on ad nauseum about how gross this whole thing is, and how Malta's 13, Rain is 20-something, and it's gross. And I Rain don't... Rain is 20, I believe, yeah. Just 20, yeah. Either way. Not really a great age gap. Um, give it 10 years and not as bad. But at the, this moment in time, <laughs> I am not super thrilled about talking about this romance. However, I'm going to put that aside because this is a book. It's fictional characters. And we have talked about how much we dislike them or dislike this specific age gap right. and how disagree with it. I will, though, say that I think it's really telling that... In this, Rain keeps insisting she's a woman and saying, I know she's a woman. She wouldn't have acted this way if she wasn't a woman. And her mom's like, well, you know, her mom and grandmother say she's a child. And he's like, no, I know she's a woman. And it's just like, mm, I don't know. Little kids call themselves grown up all the time. It doesn't make them a grown up. <laughs> you know, like little kids don't understand the like they're wanting to grow up doesn't make them more grown up. Right. And him just dismissing the fact that the adults around this girl are saying she's still a child. Like, I don't know. It's yucky. And I will say that. But I think I'll try to let it go from there. I'm still going to comment every once in a while. Ew, gross. But again, fictional characters in a fictional universe. So yeah. And Janie is, as they're walking out, with that assertion from Rain kind of remarking upon his courting history. And we learned that there have been interest offers towards Rain that he is pretty much just ignored, as well as uh, among Rainwild families. And adamant refusal has just been socially awkward for them. Yeah. And this is something new, and he's and Janie is hoping that Malta will be a distraction to pull him out of his obsession with... The city. Right. Um, more importantly to note, it's not just Rainwild families who want to build an alliance through marriage. It's right. also Bingtown yeah. people. Yeah. So the the normies, so to speak, are willing to marry this creature. <laughs> or like any one of the Cupra's sons or daughters, as Janie says. Yeah, they're a very influential family and not to be trifled with, although the Vestrits seem willing to try. <laughs> And she says, I confess, I am intrigued by this woman-child Malta. Her family speaks of her one way and you quite another. I look forward to meeting her. I hope that she'll happen soon. I plan to invite her and her kin to come for a visit, mother, if that is all right with you, of course. You know I have no objections. The Vestrit family is well thought of among the Rainwild traders, despite their decision to forbear trading with us. With the alliance of our families in marriage, that will surely end. They have the live ship that is needed to trade up the Rainwild River, and they will own it free of encumbrances once the wedding is celebrated. 
you and Malta have the prospect of prosperity before you. Prosperity, Rain said the word with an overtone of amusement. Malta and I have far better prospects than mere prosperity. Of that mother, I assure you. What does that mean? I think he's just hoping for better than just wealth. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Mm, it's like, oh, we have true love. love. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Because I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, Because <laughs> remember, he's just like a fairly naive romantic. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Ugh. Well, either way, we get a little bit of knowledge that the people of the Rainwilds don't know why the Vestrits stopped trading with them. Yeah. It seems like True. it was done amicably enough that it didn't harm their reputation. But from what Janie is saying, it it feels like she thinks the reason they stopped trading was because of the money problem that they just didn't have enough money to trade with them i can see maybe some they probably have some inkling but it's probably also not polite to speak out those right suspicions out loud yeah but no just her mention of well it won't be a problem anymore because we've paid off the ship so they're gonna trade up here makes it seem like they think it's a money thing yeah it might be and, but also that seems weird because you make more money trading up the river. So, But it also <laughs> adds to the debt. And if they're not doing well, which I'm sure for the last couple of years, it's been hard to make payments, but they're barely doing it. Well, it doesn't add to the debt directly. Mm-hmm. It adds, they were talking, when uh, Ronica was talking about it, it creates more ties with the Rainwild families because she- you're adding, you know, you're creating more trade partners and things like that. So you're kind of in bound to do that repeatedly. I thought she also mentioned it's a monetary tie because you have to take out a loan to take that much of a, like that expensive of a load oh, on maybe. your ship and then you have to pay it back, but then you're also paying back interest. So yeah, maybe Yes, you're making money, but you also have to spend money to make it. <laughs> maybe. So that gambit has indeed worked. Rain is fully distracted as Janie's like, oh, so you're going to go help them and then you're going to meet me in the chamber. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. (laughs) Then they talk about how what happened last time Janie talked with the Vestrits, which was the rule that Rain isn't allowed to woo Malta with expensive gifts. And now they're trying to work a way around that, which again feels like how you get a a child to like you (laughs) is by showing them shiny things and say come with me i think this is just the standard rich person of the like oh the rules don't really apply to me you can't give her direct nice gifts but obviously you have to bring gifts to kefri and ronica that's just proper which could be yeah it could be just proper and then rain here is like I know you said no gifts to Malta, but can I just bring like regular things like simple tokens, like fruit and flowers and sweets and things like that? <laughs> and and Jamie's like, sure, but don't go overboard because Ronica's going to tell you when you go overboard. Yeah, well, because he goes, she says, oh, sure, those little things shouldn't be much. And he goes, perfect. I need your help setting up baskets to take one every single day I see her. Yeah. <laughs> and also the baskets are going to be fancy baskets and they're going to be trimmed with the best ribbon available and fancy scarves. And some bottles of excellent wine in each. <laughs> I do not think that would be going too far. And Janie's like, well, it might be. 
And Ronica is more than a match for your stubbornness. Yeah, Ronica Vestret will tell you plainly enough if you overstep the boundaries she has set. I do not think you should hasten to cross wills with her. And Rain, hastily walking away, looks back with a quick flash of copper eyes. I shall not hasten to cross her mother, but neither shall I hasten to avoid it. I'm going to marry Malta. The sooner they get used to me, the easier it will be for all of us. Janie folded her arms. Obviously, he had never met Ronica Vestret. <laughs> a glint of amusement came into her eyes as she wondered if her son's stubbornness would not find its equal in that of the Bingtown traitor. Yeah, it's very... I don't know. It's very funny conversation of, like you said, the the rich mentality of rules don't apply to me. Yeah. But also his mom being like, okay, well, you're not really going to get away with it. Yeah. You're going to get yelled at. And he's like, who cares? We're going to be married someday. <laughs> Janie is much more of like, there are social things to look after. I did make a promise. It's on your head if you push it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not helping you. <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> but it is like... So dumb where it's like, oh, yeah, if you really love each other, feelings alone should be able to make it work. And he's like, no, I'm going to give her a lot of fancy special treats. It's his first person that he's ever been interested in. He's a rich boy. He's just like, got to give her the world. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) But yeah, he he's pretty convinced that it's going to work no matter what. And he doesn't care about the rules. He's going to do what he wants. And then he asks if. His mother has sent a bird to tell Sturb of his courtship. And we learn Sturb is the name of his stepfather. Yes. Which is Janie's current husband. Yes. And there was a previous mention of how Rain, Rain's temperament took after his father's, her previous yes. husband. And that that was unfortunate or something like that. Didn't the previous husband get lost in the city and the memories and drowned. Yeah. I'm pretty sure his father was drowned in the memories. That's what I thought as well. But yes, we get a little bit more background and then there's a bet that he has to pay up with a bottle of brandy about getting married before his brothers, something like that. So we get a little bit more background and some, uh, nice family. Yeah. No character development there. Yeah, and it is, I think it's important to note that he asked specifically about his stepfather hearing about the news because they apparently don't get along and Janie had never seen him take interest in wanting his stepfather to know parts of his life like that. That it It's very good to see this sort of like welcoming of family on that front. Yes. So Janie is a l- pretty happy with how this turned out eventually even though they had a frustrating conversation in the crowned rooster chamber. Yes. And we learned so much. We found out that where dragons come from, basically, and where live ships come from, what the wood is made out of. Yeah. And a pretty complete talking point of what wizard wood properties are. Yeah. That they're just, they pick up the memories and experiences of people that are in close contact with them. But specifically, they have to be removed out of, they have to have the dragons removed from them and exposed to a person daily for years to work. Right. And that's why Janie thinks that this dead thing that has these memories, uh or the dead thing that was rolled out of the logs, when it was alive, the wood soaked up those memories. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to me because this, I really don't see how they wouldn't have 
worried about whatever the creatures were influencing the boats in some way that that memory like how are they confident that those memories are dormant like what was done to test that never happened before (laughs) i guess i guess but we see like even with the little charm kennet has it has memories of being a dragon so you'd think if they did a small test they would have known oh it has memories of being a dragon we shouldn't do this but the first one they made, I guess, didn't have a figurehead. Right. So, or first boat, I should say, that they made didn't have a figurehead. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It'd be interesting either. to get a little story of when they first discovered him and what they first made. Yeah. Like a little novella or something. Yeah. Also, I want to know who found out that you could use a belly button ring with wizardwood on it as birth control. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like... Shout out to them. That's amazing. But also, why did they think to try that? It's probably just like a little decoration and that was a side effect. And they're like, oh, cool. Mm, yeah, like jewelry. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, look at my cool jewelry. And they're like, I can't have a kid for some reason. Like a little skull <laughs> carving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know if the carving actually matters. But... I don't think we ever hear what Althea's looks like, right? Just what uh, Etta's I looks think like. So. Yeah. And I'm hers sure. is a skull. Either way. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have anything to say, any theories or thoughts, please let us know. It is fitshappy at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on any of our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. You can leave comments or message us directly on any of those at isfitshappy. See you next week. Okay, so now we're going to talk about some things that were sent in to us. Well, one thing that was sent in to us. And that is a comment we got on Facebook from Cookie Baker. This is about episode 153, where we talk a little bit about live ships and serpents and how live ships work and if they can feel or not. I always pose the question. And Cookie Baker seems to think that live ships don't feel the way humans feel. And I had said that I was wondering if they could because Amber asked Paragon if it hurt when his eyes were chopped up. And he says, yes. And then I don't know. I don't remember. And Cookie Baker says it it might hurt, but more in the sense of feeling wrong than actual pain that potentially the loss of memories and knowing that this is not how it's supposed to be would be painful. Yeah, and but, it's not a physical hurt, but more emotional and that fear of losing a part of themselves. Right. And that additionally, the other sort of senses that are shown, like Paragon wishing it was warmer and feeling the chill and smelling the iodine, Cookie Baker doesn't believe that this is something that is physically that they're physically feeling necessarily with emotions attached to it. It's more of a memory of, Oh, warm to be warmer is better. It's not necessarily that they're cold themselves. It's just that it is cold outside. Yeah. And kind of equates that to, you know, comfort food always tastes better because you have those, wonderful childhood memories associated with it 
So that's kind of what they're equating it to. Just like they have memories attached to these senses and that's what really makes up what they're feeling. So it's an interesting kind of proposition. Yeah. So like way to look at it. I guess not necessarily that they don't have senses, but they're aware of the senses. It just isn't the same as like a human is affected by the senses. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Then they also had some comments about the serpents and how everything is working with the serpents and all that. We had a pretty big conversation in last episode about how that worked, about their migration, about when they decided to go and swim to these shores, about She Who Remembers, about what would happen in the future with the new serpents and these serpents that never woke up and never remembered their past. So Cookie Baker was kind of talking about a lot of those different different aspects. It wasn't last episode, though. It was two, couple, two episodes yes. ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and one of the things we talked about is the sand beaches and how it's kind of weird that there wouldn't be more than one for the serpents to cocoon on. Yeah, for like the entire world or this area. So apparently there are multiple silver sand beaches mentioned, but they're all along the same river. Yeah, they're all on the same river, which does not mean that there are more that are not mentioned. Right. But at least from what we know. This the only ones mentioned are in the same area, which makes sense because there's multiple cities along the Rainwild River and yeah. Kelson grows further up, you know, and silver seems to flow throughout the whole river itself. Yes. So thank you for that. Uh, the knowledge we were asking about that a bit. Definitely. The other thing that they bring up is a little bit more discourse on how the transition happens between serpent knowing or just being a serpent and then knowing it's time to travel to the next location to become a dragon. Yeah. Kind of summarizing everything that we've talked about in a, in a pretty good way, how they're just kind of like serpents living. They have the the memories. And then all of a sudden the prophet like Malkin of each Mm -hmm. tangle is like, Oh, it's ready to go. We need to go to this one place and find she who remembers. And this, Obviously, the place has changed and she remembers has been trapped or the other ones have died out because of the cataclysm. But normally, they would go to one place and meet she who remembers, who would open and unlock those memories or lead them to the correct place to cocoon. Right. And it is also mentioned that there are dragons that fly above the tangles to lead them to the correct area that they would have been from because we know there are multiple stops. So they would need the dragon from above to tell them which place to go towards. So there are dragons involved, but they're not all traveling in one big pack. Yes. And it's not necessarily... The dragon is she who remembers. It's right. still a serpent, but that serpent has more memories to give them. And the last thing that Cookie Baker was kind of commenting on was our speculation. We were talking about what would happen in the new cycles when these dragons are born and the new serpents come in and all of these mindless serpents that have just been growing and eating and shedding and all that sort of stuff and have forgotten the other memories. How would that work? We were talking about, you know hunting for serpent parts and would dragons protect them. Right. And Cookie Baker kind of undercuts that saying that the new serpents would have the memories from the, uh, the last 
serpent <laughs> class, I guess. Right. The class yeah. of um, Satrap Cosgo. Last generation. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they would know how some of the other serpents tried to awaken the mindless serpents. They would have the knowledge of what Malkin and his Tangle did, or maybe the other ones did, and maybe try to help those mindless serpents. And maybe that, there wouldn't be that issue in the future if yeah. they were able to uh, awaken all of them. Which is actually a really good point, and that there'd be more resources and less tired serpents to be able to help. My feeling is eventually, I think they're, some of them are just going to be too far gone. Yeah. And they're just going to be mindless beasts forever. So there's still going to be that mix, but that's definitely a possibility that they could help some of the older serpents. Yeah. But I also agree. I think at, at a certain point, there's no return because they don't have the memories. Right. And they are just acting as a, a mindless beast for so long that it would make sense to me if they just became mindless beasts. I know that some dragons when they were too in contact with humans that affected them in a way that made that their, their offspring not able to the others. Yeah. Made them into others. So I wonder if that would be a similar thing that would happen if you could even get the serpents that are mindless now to become a dragon. If their offspring would then have issues of not being a dragon, it'd be yeah more beast more. Yeah. More kind of, bleeding into the beings yeah interesting or sea creature yeah <laughs> either way i like the idea of pointing out that they would have some memory and know how to deal with them so thank you so much cookie baker for that revelation and for all the other things that you've pointed out to us we have very much enjoyed it and thank you for everyone else who reaches out and talks to us every week we enjoy hearing from you guys and we can't wait to hear what you guys have to say next week